You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see you here today. Um, I am a teacher. I am a teacher. I never wanted to be a teacher. Um, in fact, I went through my early career and I, it was something I, I kind of actually actively decided not to do. Both my parents were teachers and I was like, I am never being a teacher. But you know what happens in life? Um, if God has a purpose for you, he has a way of getting you there. So in my early career, my first proper job was as a management consultant in London, which is about as far from teaching as you can possibly get. So I thought I was quite safe doing that, but I was wrong because what happened after a few years, I ended up becoming a training consultant. So I was teaching adults. And then long story short, I ended up retraining several years later and I am now a qualified teacher. <laughs> and I love it. I love teaching. It is a gift that God has given me and I love doing it. So you might be thinking, well, so what? You know, that's nice for you, Tammy, but what's that got to do with anything? Well, today our topic is about discipleship. So discipleship and teaching are reasonably closely linked. I feel quite qualified today to talk about discipleship, so that's what we're doing. It's the last one in our Back to Basics series where we've been talking about the foundational aspects of authentic church. So far we have covered worship, we've covered fellowship, we've looked at serving... We've looked at evangelism, and to round it all off today, we're looking at discipleship, learning and growing through discipleship. I love a good dictionary definition. That is probably the teacher in me, to be fair. So let's start with a dictionary definition of discipleship, because it's not a word that we use that often in everyday language, but this is what it means. The condition or situation of being a disciple, a follower or a student of some philosophy, especially a follower of Christ. Also, the process of training people incrementally in some discipline or way of life. That's the important bit, the way of life bit. Oh, It's about maturing and developing our faith and relationship with Jesus. It's about our daily walk with Jesus. It's about our lifestyle as a follower of Jesus. It's about our journey of faith, all of that good stuff. When a baby is born, they are at the beginning of their physical life with all their learning and growing still to do. When a person is born again, so they they, um, put their trust in Jesus and they accept him as their saviour, they are at the beginning of their spiritual life with all their learning and growing as a Christian still to do. Growing conditions are important, especially for trees. We have a lot of trees in our garden. We planted pretty much every tree that you can see in our garden. And in the 14 years or so since we've planted most of them, some of them haven't been planted, um, haven't, haven't grown very well at all. In fact, some of them are still pretty much the same size as they were the day they went in. They have done no growing whatsoever, whereas other trees have grown maybe three, four, five or more times bigger. Some of them are absolutely enormous now. Well, what's the difference? It is the growing conditions. In our garden, for some of the trees, it's too wet, it's too windy, the soil is all wrong, there's no drainage, there's not enough shelter, And frankly, the trees aren't hardy enough to deal with those conditions. So they survive, 
but they don't thrive. Other trees, as I said, are enormous. In fact, we've got someone, hopefully, we're organising someone to come and cut down one of our trees, half the height, because it's just got enormous. The growing conditions for that kind of tree are just right. And getting the conditions right is critical for growth. It can mean the difference between surviving and not really growing and thriving and growing really well. Just for a moment, consider your own spiritual growth. Would you say, and this is a rhetorical question, you don't need to answer this, but would you say that you are thriving or are you just surviving? So growing conditions are important for trees, but having said that, we are not trees. Trees don't get to choose where they're planted. They just go in the ground wherever someone puts them. But when it comes to Christian discipleship, we do get to choose our growing conditions. We choose whether to go to church on a Sunday regularly or whether to go at all. We choose to form good spiritual habits like reading our Bible or praying. We choose maybe to go to things midweek or conferences or other Christian events that will help us grow spiritually. So we get to choose all of that. We have control over our growing conditions. We have control over our own discipleship. Now, as a teacher, I know that there's only so much I can do to help children learn. I can impart what they need to learn the skills and the knowledge that they need. I can provide the best learning environment for them. But at the end of the day, the children have to be willing to do the learning. They have to be receptive to learn. They have to be prepared to learn. Those that don't want to learn don't do as well as those that do want to learn. It's quite simple. They just don't learn as quickly and they don't grow and develop as quickly. Now, I am not referring to children who have learning difficulties or other challenges because that's an entirely different thing. But I'm referring to those children who do have everything they need to learn, but they choose not to. And it's the same for our Christian walk. We can choose whether we engage or not. It's entirely down to us. All of us have a part to play when we're supporting one another with discipleship. It is about team, if you like, and it's absolutely right that we look to one another for support, for advice, all of that good stuff, and that all contributes to our discipleship. But I do firmly believe that when it comes to our discipleship, our learning and growing, that we do need to take responsibility for our own growth. We need to be intentional about it. We need to be deliberate about it. We can't rely solely on other people to help us grow and deepen our faith. Our relationship with God is a really personal thing. So our discipleship needs to be personal and unique to each of us. None of our journeys are going to look the same as anybody else's. Coming to church on a Sunday is a great start when it comes to our discipleship because on a Sunday we can also engage with fellowship with one another, we can worship, we can sing, all of that is great stuff. But church on a Sunday will only get us so far. It might mean that we're surviving in our Christian faith but not necessarily thriving. 
when our kids were a lot younger than they are now, I used to take them swimming to swimming lessons because it's an important life skill. And they, each of them went to swimming lessons. And when the three of them were very small, I just, it was such a nightmare taking them all to swimming lessons. I just remember it, it was horrible. But anyway, I'll probably need prayer about that. Um, but they would go once a week each, and they made good progress. They learned to swim. Um, some of them became really good at swimming and, you know, very, very strong swimmers. But if I'd taken them twice a week, they would have improved faster they would have taken less time to achieve the same results. They would have become more natural and more fluent at swimming. They would probably have become more confident in their own abilities more quickly. They would have developed good habits in terms of attending their swimming lessons twice a week. They'd have grown stronger physically and they'd have got more stamina. And it's similar to us in our discipleship. If we're doing discipleship, if we're doing our Christian learning and growing regularly, we will grow and grow stronger faster. Yes, there will be more sacrifice involved. If I'd had to take those kids swimming twice a week, I think I would, well, I don't know what I'd have done, but it would have been hard. But the positive outcomes would have made up for all of that. So what does intentional look like for us? Well, here at Authentic, we kind of provide a Sunday service We have a midweek connect group that goes on where we have fellowship and Bible study and prayer. And in the future, we're hoping that we would be able to offer other discipleship courses such as Alpha or Freedom in Christ, that kind of thing. But for us here in this room, intentional means making the most of those opportunities to get involved. Christian discipleship is not a program that we go on and we get a certificate at the end to say, that's it, you're done, your discipleship, well done, off you go. It's ongoing, it's a lifelong process. It's actually a lifestyle. Now, some of the best teaching I've heard on discipleship recently has been um, on, a, on the John Mark Comer podcast, which is called Practicing the Way. If you've not come across it, I absolutely recommend it. It is really, really challenging but incredibly good. So I'm borrowing John Mark's um, ideas this morning. I hope he will forgive me for doing that. But he says that there are three elements to discipleship. One is to be with Jesus. One is to become like Jesus. And one is to do what Jesus did. Now, it's not a three-step formula, so you don't start with one and then do the next and then do the next. It's about a way of life, a lifestyle So I want to share some of his ideas with you this morning. So first of all, be with Jesus. One aspect of our discipleship is simply spending time with Jesus. It's the same with any relationship. When you, you know, if you want to get to know someone better, you spend time with them. When Nigel and I first met, we spent a lot of time asking each other's questions, getting to know each other, just trying to decide, do we like each other? Fortunately, we did. Um, what is this person like? What is their character like? What are their values like? Do I want to be in relationship with this person? Jesus invites us to follow him. That's the first part. That's the kind of come, be with me. But after that, we need to spend time with him to get to know him. The Bible calls this abiding or remaining. Let me read you the very famous passage from John 15, which talks about abiding and remaining in Jesus. 
I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it can be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If we want to have a fruitful Christian life, we must abide with Jesus. We must remain with him. We must get into the Father's presence and stay there. And it takes a lifetime of practice. I am not very good at this. I find I am way too distracted. I wish I was better at it and I'm trying to get better at it. Brother Lawrence, who was a 17th century monk, turned this into an art form. This was obviously something he was really good at. And his idea was that rather than setting aside 10 minutes a day to have, you know, your quiet time with God or 20 minutes or however long you could manage, that actually every moment of every day should be spent in God's presence, no matter what you're doing. He taught that practising the presence of God in one single act that does not end. That is something to aspire to, for sure. And doing that in this way, we can start to be with Jesus. Practically, I'm a quite practical person. I'm kind of like all about the, well, okay, that's fine. How can, I, how can I start doing that? How can I start spending time in God's presence? Well, reading and studying the Bible. So it might be devotionals that you use. Bible in one year is a very useful tool. Uh, praying, again, you can just do that anytime on your own. I have a lovely app that I use first thing in the morning that helps me get, get the day started well. Fasting, some people like to do that regularly or infrequently. Ooh, silence and solitude, not good at that one. Wish I was better, but you know, something to work on again. But engaging with these habits is only good if we actually allow them to change us. If we read our Bible every day, but it's not actually changing us, then frankly, it's pointless. These habits should help us to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Now, I have been guilty of doing some of these habits for the sake of it, because it feels like the right thing to do. Maybe I feel a little bit more holy if I'm doing it, but actually they're not having any lasting impact on me. So in a sense, that's, that's not good. That's not good discipleship on my part. The end goal of any of these habits is about moving from knowing about Jesus to actually truly loving Jesus with our heart, to build relationship with him, to know his heart for us and for other people, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. But it all takes effort. I wonder if any of you have ever admired someone else's life, maybe an Olympic athlete, maybe a prominent Christian, maybe a successful business person. Have they got to where they are without effort, determination and sacrifice and lots of it? If we want the life, i.e. the closer relationship with Jesus, 
we need to ha be prepared to live the lifestyle. And that's not always easy. The author William Purcell writes, it is unlikely that we will deepen our relationship with God in a casual or haphazard manner. There will be a need for some intentional commitment and some reorganization in our lives. But there is nothing that will enrich our lives more than a deeper and clearer perception of God's presence in the routine of daily living. If we can find time to be with Jesus, our relationship with him will deepen and grow, and so will we. The second aspect that John Mark Homer talks about is to become like Jesus. Luke 6 verse 40 says this, The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Who are we becoming like? We should be striving to be like Jesus in our attitudes, our behaviour, our character and so on. All of us are being shaped and formed every day by something. Our experiences, our habits, our relationships, who, what we love, all of those things form us into a specific kind of person. And if we're spending too much time on unhealthy practices and lifestyle, then we are unlikely to become more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says, We all show the, God, the Lord's glory and we are being changed to be like him. So part of our discipleship should be that we change to become like Jesus. John Mark does highlight two myths in this area which are interesting. Myth one, we only need to read our Bible to be transformed. Reading a book on exercise does not make us fit and healthy, unfortunately. Reading a recipe book does not make us a chef. In the same way, reading our Bible and simply reading it is not necessarily going to make us become like Jesus. John Mark says, knowing something is not the same as doing it, which is not the same as wanting to do it. We can't think our way to Christ-likeness. Discipleship is more than just a set of ideas. There needs to be some action. Myth two. You don't need to do anything. It's all down to God. I'd like to show you a very short video. Some of you might be familiar with the film The Matrix. And that clip shows Trinity. She needs to pilot the helicopter. And literally she gets downloaded how to do that within seconds and now she can pilot the helicopter. If only discipleship was as simple as that, wouldn't that be incredible? We could just download everything we need instantly. I know that when I pray for patience, for example, what happens? I get put in situations where I need to use my patience. <laughs> That's how it grows. I don't instantaneously become a more patient person, unfortunately. To grow my patience muscle, I need to exercise it and to use it. To become like Jesus, we need to be living our lives the way that Jesus commanded and modelled. He is not going to download it all in an instant. We won't change, unfortunately, without some effort, determination and some sacrifice. 
and it's not going to take place overnight. This is a lifetime of work. So be prepared to be in it for the long haul. But it is absolutely worth it. At school, when a pupil tells me, this happens a lot, they say, I can't do it. My immediate response to them is, you can't do it yet. You can't do it yet. You need to keep practicing. I am preaching to myself today, friends, because I can't do a lot of this stuff yet. But I keep trying and I keep trying. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to be mindful of our lifestyle. What is it that we are allowing to shape us? Is it Jesus or is it the world? How are we dealing with life's experiences? Are we exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness? Or are we reacting the way the world reacts to life experiences? Anger, resentment, bitterness, irritation, all of those things. Some of the hardest verses, I think, in the Bible, at the beginning of um, chapter 1 in James. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. On our discipleship journeys, we should be aiming to become mature and complete, to become like Jesus. The third aspect of discipleship that John Mark Comer talks about is to do what Jesus did. Jesus ran an amazing discipleship program. I would have loved to be on that program. First thing he did was he called the disciples, follow me, he said. And then, shortly after that, he preached the Sermon on the Mount to get the the teaching started, the greatest sermon ever preached. Then he spent time living with his disciples. He taught them. He modelled a way of life for them to copy. And when they had spent a long time with him, immersed in all of that, he said, right, guys, off you go. Out you go. Do the stuff. And off they went and did the stuff. At school, we have the same kind of pattern. It goes like this. I do. We do. You do which is basically I teach them what they need to do. Then we do have a go together where I'm supporting them. And then they go off and have a go on their own. It's exactly the same model that Jesus used. It has stood the test of time. At Authentic Church, our vision statement says, you should all be able to tell me this now, to continue what Jesus started. It's simple, to continue what Jesus started, to do what Jesus did. John Mark Comer suggests 10 categories of work that Jesus did, which are really interesting. Please listen to his podcast for more information on this. But these these are challenging. So 10 categories of work that Jesus did that we should be aspiring to do as well. Preaching the gospel, 
teaching the way, healing the sick, casting out demons, doing justice, peacemaking, prophesying, praying, spending time with people far from God and standing against corruption. So just a few things to aim for there. Uh, If we could have those sorted by the end of next week, that'd be fabulous. But let's not be overwhelmed, okay? That That is an overwhelming kind of list. Things to remember. These things, these works require teaching, they require learning, they require practice, and they require community, okay? Second thing to remember, know your stage of discipleship and your season of life. If you are a brand new Christian, do not expect to be casting out demons on your second week in church. You know, it may happen, but it's not that likely. Your season of life, if you are a busy parent with young people around, you may have less time to dedicate to your discipleship than when you're a bit older and your kids have left home. Not to use it as an excuse, though, but it's, you know, you you have to bear all of this stuff in mind. We're all at different stages in our walks. Remember, don't underestimate the power of community. Christianity was never designed to be done alone. It is a team sport, and that's why coming to church, getting into fellowship with others is so important. Start with what you know and what you're good at. Don't look at the list and be completely overwhelmed and go, I can't do it, because that's the kind of thing that I would do. Start with what you know. We can all pray. We can all do that. We don't need special skills to be able to do that. We can all be hospitable, even if it's just taking someone for a cup of coffee somewhere. And we can all show people the love of Jesus in our actions and our words. Start with what you know and what you're good at. So let me just summarise the main points for you again. Discipleship is a lifelong journey. Do not expect to have it sorted in a month, a year, even 10 years' time. It is something that is going to take time. Some of discipleship is done in community and take the opportunities that are on offer. But we all need to be intentional about and responsible for our own growth and development. A Sunday-only faith will not lead to maturity and completeness. We need to learn to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Not in a three-step program kind of way, but in a holistic lifestyle kind of way. If we want to get better, we need to practice, we need to make the effort, We need to make sacrifices. So I ask you this morning, are you thriving or are you simply surviving right now? Do you want to go deeper with Jesus? What could you start doing? What could you change? What could you stop doing to enable that to happen? In Authentic, we will try our best to provide great growing conditions And in the future, we hope those conditions will be even better for people. But we can't do it for you. Jesus' disciples chose to change their lives to be with Jesus. They left their old lives and decided to walk with him, to learn from him, to become like him. And we need to do the same.